Yes. Who's that? It should be a good um success and the tlacha, whatever you guys. Amen, amen. Tickets excited is that I know we were texting, I'm sorry. Yeah. Relax. Hey. Hey guys. I'm trying to set she'll be here. We have, hey guys, hey Steve, hey Adina Manta, how's it going? Okay, hold on, let me get okay. my volume nice and loud, and then I'm going to get some beverages. Um, I feel like, let's get the- Hi, 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 good to see you. Hi, how are you? Good. Very good. Good hey. to see you. That's my hands, though. Um, Is anyone in person? Well, we're in person. No, I mean Charna or- Well, Charna said she was going to come, so we're still confident. Okay, and I don't know who the there was um, a lady. Um, I I know, yeah. Eve is uh, usually here. We'll see if she makes it. And was there a couple, a married couple? No. Uh, Charna's online. Look at that. Okay. Look at a Charna. All right. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, we'll let Charna in. We'll be nice. Okay. Okay. Let her. Hey, Charna. Hi, Charna. Hi, Charna. Hold on one second. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you, Charna. Oh, she's not connected. Hey, welcome, yeah. welcome. Where are you? I'm downstairs. Oh, we're upstairs. Oh, perfect. We're upstairs. <laughs> because you, you said the belt line. You said the belt line at entrance. Oh, I may have sent out the wrong. I'm sorry. My apologies. My apologies okay. for that. Yeah, we're upstairs. Well, um, you know, it's funny. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make any conclusions, but the color of the wall behind you <laughs> looks yeah. like Chabad. I'm telling you, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like, what are the odds? But indeed you are. Um, so while everybody, cause I'm going to go, Charna, we'll actually probably pass in the hallway because I oh. am going to, um, grab, well, I'm going to turn it off some, maybe some wine, huh? Quebec. So what I am going to, uh, um, oh, I guess she'll, she'll yeah, join in a second. I want to I want to uh, officially get this started. Today is a very special day. Why? Uh, it's Pesach Sheni, second pass. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, but we'll have time to talk about that also. Um, today is Pesach Sheni, aka uh, yeah, uh, we we eat matzah today. It's like a month after Pesach is when those that well a month after Arab Pesach is the day that anyone who couldn't bring the Paschal lamb initially because of states of impurity, they were able to bring it um, on Pesach Sheni. So it's all about second chances and second opportunities. Hey, Charna, Hello. good to see you. Um, you have some matzo? You have some matzo there? We have some matzo here. We actually have some matzo, which I'll bring, maybe I'll bring some matzo oh, in if, if y'all want some matzo. Um, we'll send some virtual matzo through the camera, through the, uh, the computer. But regarding Pesach Shani, second chances. And I feel like this book is all about giving people second chances, right? It's all about the idea of giving hope. And how do we protect our family, our children? We'll go to whatever lens we can to help protect those that we love to give them a second chance in life. All right, with that little rabbinic intro, dvar, whatever you want to call it, let's pass the mic to Ariella, our fearless leader. To... I wanna, before we go into like general appreciations, actually, I wanted to ask you a question. What's the source in Jewish actual sources about the existence of a golem? Oh, perfect. Is there anything um, beyond the mystical, almost like legend typey, or tell us what do you know about? It? All right, here's in Prague. Well, that's I think that's that, the question. Right. So here's my here's my um, not comprehensive knowledge of all things golem okay so it says that of course god created adam and eve right from the earth and then breathed into adam a breath of life there's a mystical work one of the earliest kabbalistic kabbalistic works is called sefer yitzira which means the book of which is translated as the book of formation and sefer yitzira is actually attributed some attributed to abraham to abram some attributed to adam to adam i.e. the first human being, basically it sort of kind of tells you 
how to make a golem. So it's like how to... The, the ingredients. I haven't actually studied right. it myself, but apparently, apparently it talks about making a golem and infusing things in life. So I think that's the handy dandy tool. It says the Maral used that to create a, to create the golem of Prague. Prague. Exactly. Yeah. And it would seem like that is probably the earliest source for creating a golem okay. type thing. Have there been any other golems? I think there were legends of other golems, I believe. Yeah, we would have to go like Wikipedia golem and see what comes up. But I will say that, you know, we, we do a lot of Kabbalah here. And, um, you know, like 2.0, we'll see if we can get it in, is levitation, floating, 3.0. We're gonna create a golem. Let's create your own golem. <laughs> it could come in handy in case you, you know, you need some protexia, you need like a bodyguard, whatever. Okay, but without awesome. further ado, thank you. All right, jump in. I'm gonna grab some beverages, sure. some matzah, some thank wine. You. All right. Um, yeah, so I would love to hear people's just appreciation, like or didn't like the book, um, why you enjoy, why you didn't enjoy, characters, just let's get it started. Um, do you want to start, Charna? Mm. No, because I finished it two weeks ago. Oh, okay, so you're going to get friend. into, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, Steve, do you want to go and give us some? Um, um, one I, second, there's someone getting in. Okay. There we are. Hello. Hey. Who is that? Patty's here. Hi. Hello. How is are you? In the car or what? Who is yeah. that? Who just joined us? Patty. Yes. We yeah. can't see you at all. Yeah. The, there's a lot of reflection. I can see. Sorry, I yeah. Okay. There. That's perfect. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Okay. So we just started with um, a general explanation of what the actual sources for a golem are. And now we're going, um, Steve was about to start with just general um, appreciations of the book, so. Okay, well, um, first I thought it was wonder wonderful book, uh, just as good, maybe even to me a little bit better than the first book we read, Dovekeeper. Right. Um, I was apprehensive at first because I thought, oh, you know, reading another one of these silly golem stories, you know, sort of uh, thinking of Frankenstein, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't that at all. The golem who was uh, given the name of Ava uh, was almost a, a secondary. She was throughout the book, but it was really not a book about golems. And, uh, you know, um, she was created by uh, the mother and the mother's name. I had to take notes because uh, my memory isn't what it was. But um, Leah is the protagonist, mm -hmm. and I forget the mother's name. Uh, honey. honey, yeah, Honey was the, the mother. Uh, her husband was killed, and they wanted, she wanted to make sure that her youngest daughter would live. This is, you know, Nazi uh, Germany, the occupation, all that. So she decided to make a golem. But the rabbi that she went to wouldn't do it. But his daughter, I think her name was Eddie, mm -hmm. uh, the daughter had you know, listened in on the, uh, on the father and knew how to do it. So she created the golem that was to protect Leah, you know, the, the youngest daughter. And uh, I thought throughout that part of the book, which was the first quarter or so of the book, I, uh, I enjoyed it because I kept seeing uh, Barbara Streisand in, uh, was it Yentl? Uh, was that the book where she tried, you know, wanted to go to, to hate her and couldn't. Oh, right, 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 right. That's the, the be, play. Yeah. Like, so, like, yeah, have the yeah, so, man or boys. Uh, right. I, I kept thinking uh, Eddie, you know, is, is doing uh, that, that function. So we uh, go through the war, a love story um, between a young girl, of course, Eddie, and she meets two boys and is love with one that's, that's killed and winds up with the other. But uh, just, just throughout, Ava is in the background doing little things to protect uh, the little girl that she was created to protect. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting. And then uh, that's 
pretty much the summation, you know, going, jumping right to the end because I don't want to take too long. I think that was so good because through the last half or the last third, certainly of the book, I was saying, what's going to happen to Ava, the golem? Because this golem is a, a person and a, and a minch. And uh, I thought she can, the daughter, you know, she can't kill her protector. So it, it ended in a very natural way with the golem going back to the earth without the, the, uh, the girl having Leah having to kill her. So I, I like that. The ending was wrapped up very nicely. So all in all, I thought the book was excellent. Awesome. That's um, okay, awesome. Let's continue. Um, ready or we continue online? One-on-one, whatever oh, you guys overall, want. Overall, I loved it. Okay. Um, I felt because I read Nightingale, this was a um, interesting. A, well, the Jewish side of what was going on. If you really want to deep dive to the the people being carried over the mountains, then they go into a chapter or two in detail, getting over the mountains. Right. Um, so that's what you know, six hundred pages. But it oh, it felt like a companion book to Nightingale. Um, I, I think my only, um, I, I love the book. It was hard at first keeping up with the names, Hani, mm -hmm. Ava, Esther, Ed, Ed, Eddie, Etty, Etty. Or, yeah. I um, think it was Esther, but Etty maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it would, you'd follow a character and you'd be really into the character and their location. And then you're back on the farm with uh, Marion, uh, Marianne, yeah. Yeah, Marianne. Um, and then when they, when you go back to the, to other characters later on, you forget where they were. Um, but no, nah, I loved it. Um, it had that, I guess that supernatural feeling with the right, golem. Right, right, um, And I was, I think I was really shocked because early in the book, it said when um, Et, uh, not Etty, Ava, mm -hmm. not Ava, um, the the girl, Leah, Leah uh, opened saw what was the, in the lock in. That was early on, and so it was like, oh no, the yeah. whole time, the whole the whole rest of the book. Right. Wondering, but I I loved it. I would read more of this writer. She's yeah. right. Yeah. Elise, how fun. Medina Malka, do you want to give us your first? Well, I'm going to read a senior moment because I read it so long ago. I don't remember the specifics. I just know that I love the book and yes, I was intrigued with um, is Ava the Golem? Yeah. Yes. How she. You know um, how she had this relationship with a stork. She danced with the stork. It was so, I don't know, mystical. And then how uh, she was in touch with the devil. Is it Art Osiel? Yeah. And right. he was lurking. Oh, angel. How yeah. he was sort of, you know. She could see him. Yeah, like a crow waiting for the. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Rabbi Solish, do you want to say something about the book? Um, I thought, so I didn't get through the whole thing, All right. but I saying? will say this. Alice Hoffman could write about anything. She's talented. She's unbelievable. Really she's unbelievable. Talented. It's riveting. Yes, Riv it was. Yeah. It's, um, she's just a good writer. Yeah. So she can make something as supernatural as a golem and you know, this, this story of, of love and protection and different scenes in there. Yeah, it got a little bit complicated. Um, she's, she's, she's pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed every page that I, uh, that, I, that I read. The first 10 pages? No, it was more than that. <laughs> <laughs> introduction. <laughs> kind of followed me throughout the book. The, uh, the storch, the um, bird, the... Um, the bird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, not a stork. Not a stork. A, um, a, um, is it a heron? Heron. I think it was a heron. Yeah. 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 
And I see them. The, that love affair between like, yeah, like Gollum and Love and Affair. Yeah, yeah. With them dancing. Yeah. Was, right, right, right. Yeah. Like fun. And it's kind of random also. Random. She throws in enough random I feel like she throws in enough random stuff to make it interesting. <laughs> Impossible somehow. Right. Patty, what did you think about the book? Any appreciations or comments? Well, this was my first Alice Hoffman book, and I definitely will be reading more of her stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Um, yeah. I and you know, while Holocaust stuff is not like it's not ever fun to read. Um no like the but this one was was different, I guess, and like you still explored their lives. Um but I guess the golem was the hope, you know, so many parents had, I guess, I don't know. There was just um, a lot of made it, a lot of things that made it easier to read in, in, in different ways. Yeah, I, um, it gives some sort of security that this like non-natural piece of the novel that there is a golem with Leah thinking, okay, she will survive, you know, she, she can make it. Um, I really enjoyed the book. I really think, um, I agree, Alice Hoffman. I think she's a very, very talented writer. Um, what I also really like is that mix between a historical fiction or historical novel mixed with the magical realism um, I don't know how many people are familiar, but I grew up reading in school the books of um, Garcia Marquez, who's considered kind of the quintessence of um, magical realism as a whole genre that some people say he even like made it into its own thing. So um, this mix between not purely magical, but like into some historical time that we are very familiar and we do know about it um it's very I, I don't know I really enjoy it and I think she does that in that most of her books or the ones I've read it it's like she picks historical time and place and she does it, her research she knows about it but brings all this different layer of fiction in a way that makes it so casual and even like if you read in detail, um, her voice changed when she's been talking about like these, the way the golem talks to the birds. And then when there's something very human about the story, it's, even the way she writes changes. So I really enjoy her. I think she's talented and, and I enjoyed the book. So um, yes, yeah, so I'm happy everybody enjoyed it. Oh, is it, is it historical too about the, um, the, the place where the Catholics were protecting the children and then all of them ended up dying anyhow? So that's a good question. I am not sure how, like the dates are right. Like that last deportation train to Auschwitz at the end is true, but um, I'm not sure how much of the details are true. She does work with historians when she does these jobs. Um, with with the last book too, this book too, like she she has an interview about it. So there is definitely some historical context, but it, I, I'm not familiar with the details. Like this, Remember when they did the people, raid to go into the to the orphanage, right? Or like there there are a yeah. few things. Like I don't know if that specific orphanage I'm even sure existed. But I'm, sh I'm sure that it happened. That, right. Yeah. Well, I I actually read uh, that. Um, there were several, I guess you call them monasteries, you know, where the nuns kept the children. And that's, that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. There's a thing. I'll just jump in on that. You know, I think the question was like, was there one yeah, in that location where they came in oh. and they hunted everybody and she survived because she was, whatever it was. But like, I think that, not I think, there's a, there's a wild story, not to go too off topic. But in a lot of these monasteries after the war, well, some of these monasteries, they didn't want to give back the Jewish kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that I Famous story with a rabbi, an American or Israeli rabbi, I forget who, but his name was. He flew over there with somebody else, went into the monastery, mm -hmm. and he said, give me the Jewish kids. And they said, you know, who's to know who's Jewish? He said, all right, I got this. 
bedtime, he went there and he said, Shema. He said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkin Hashem Elchad. He said, he's saying the Shema. And all the kids that started crying and they started saying Shema, he's like, okay, these are obviously the Jewish These are obviously the Jewish kids. I'm taking these kids. An unbelievable oh, story. Why? That's a real story. And he became a tactic. Apparently, like to get the kids get with the shema. Yeah, that was a real. That's a real deal. Mm-hmm. Stuff that they were Jewish. Wow, especially girls because boys was Easy, like right. yeah, yeah. some biology there, but right. especially especially girls. Um, yeah, so, um, but that that was interesting to me. Um, kind of the first question I or topic for discussion I have here is, I think that the book brings very different but deep and profound types of love um it starts with a revelation of the love of from a mother to a daughter daughter to mother even three generations as start with the respect of the grandmother the mother and the daughter um it moves into um a few relationships between siblings we have the two girls and their love the two brothers victor and julian and their love and then it evolves into um, a relationship and the love between a man and a woman. In this case, um, a few—it's not only one, but like we get, we saw a few of those relationships as well. Um, is there? And many times, this love was the driving force behind what they were doing. Um, is there any of these relationships that was like shown more powerful to you through the book or uh, more influential to the character's actions? Um, again, this is free for interpretation. So if anyone wants to. Well, um, something. she she loved the children so much that it gave her the, the strength and the drive to, you know, be a guide through the forest to the border. Right. Right. And, and, and multiple times I felt that that was one love that kept them going. You know, like that was, there was something there. Um, any that you remember that was special? Um, or oh, the, the book is rolling through my mind now. <laughs> right. Anyone um, has any comments about this or just in general? Well, um, the girl, the Orthodox girl that made the golem, mm-hmm. Etty. Etty, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, she loved her sister so much and and felt so responsible yeah. for what happened that she gave her life. Yeah. I right. mean, it was pretty much ninety percent that she knew she wasn't. Right. I, it seemed like a high percentage she wasn't going to make it, but she she wanted to do anything to to avenge her her sister's death. Um, I guess because she gave her life um, that it stands out to me right. more so. Right. I go into that relationship. She was the only character um, in the second half of the book or towards closer to the second half of the book that didn't have that hope that I'm waiting for something, mm-hmm. that, that there is someone there for me. And, and I think it's what you're saying. She basically decided to, to make, make a complete sacrifice um, because for whatever was worth in, in reality, um, Leah was wait, waiting for Julian. Like whether they had a relationship, it was like this dream of one relationship, but they everybody else had someone they were hoping or working yeah. towards, but Etty had lost her only relationship. So her hope was to revenge. I, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And even with the story with the doctor and um, planning just so that if she had to go to bed with 
the evil uh, the the Nazi uh, character. I mean, that was a lot of planning, and that uh, was a lot of self love. Yeah. And there must be some, I don't know, with the bees, is there some symbolism right. behind that? Um, the bees. I was trying to think maybe there is, maybe it's part of the whole mystical thing with Ava. I, I felt like the whole bee uh, part of it you know, had to do with it. It was just symbolism, you know, because bees are life. Without bees, you know, we have no vegetation. We have no, we have no flowers. We have no plants. Uh, you know, that's what bees are for. And of course, the honey they produce, making life sweeter. So I thought it was just making reference to that. Well, they, it was, they made reference to numerology. They said like the number 348. Yes. Right, and for different angels have different gematria. Yeah. They they bring it in the in between. What what was also this isn't this is huh? getting into yeah, something yeah. different, but with Julian and the math and escaping being uh, taken to Auschwitz when they rounded up everybody, and he used some kind of math from his father mm -hmm. to find his way out of the village with the that, stars and right yeah that that was a little um i guess supernatural too to me i didn't look at it as as a real math thing i think it was yeah. another supernatural angle for him uh having faith to get out of his situation it was something of that i i felt like we Early in the book, we knew some people would survive and some people won't. And even with our knowing, it was like, it doesn't really matter what's going to happen here. It's, he's going to survive or she's going to survive. So I had that um, kind of feeling through the book as well. Well, you know, he didn't get along very much with his father. And then he ended up using the skills that his father had taught him. And that was a way of uh, redeeming his relationship with his dad. Yep. Any other? I, I, I think with that getting out of the forest, I saw it as, as again, uh, a symbolism, you know, of his, his father and how he, uh, a man, you know, thinking back on all the things your father taught you, it gets you through life. And this was just almost survivalist. And I was thinking in terms of if the sun is setting this way, and the tree is, you know, doing a shadow this way. I know I have to go, you know, this way is north, and I know I have to go north. And I thought he was using that kind of maybe survival like astrology, like the stars and and all the yes, constellation exactly. um, yeah. that he had learned from his father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Any other kind of unique relationship that you appreciated different than the rest? Anyone? Any takers? I mean, I would just echo the sister relationship. It's like you kind of knew when when her sister gets shot that that's going to be that's going to drive the rest right, of her life. Right. Like that's that's that's, that's going right. to be it. Right. Yeah. And it's not that she wasn't determined to lose all her family already. Right. This was a one unique kind of like the relationship that meant hope for her that was keeping her going. Um, which is also a unique thing of the book. It's like it almost become like this one option for a relationship. But the this the the mother, I don't know, talking about how she will live through the daughter and and that kind of connection between different generations. I also thought it was very powerful. Like, um, and and it, the evolution between um, which I'm coming up moving to the next topic, but um, we, we see that at the beginning, the relationship between um, Ava and um, Leah is from Leah's perspective, and it's not that Ava can feel or anything, but from Leah's perspective is, is not even appreciation. It's almost hate and it's resentment and um, very negative um, 
relationship from her part. Ava doesn't have any feelings, but through the story, we see the evolution of that relationship to the end in which they're hugging each other and um, Leah is like rubbing her hair and, and becomes almost like an intimate relationship. So what do you think were kind of like the breaking point or what, what happened that made Leah change her perspective towards the golem as like, you're not human and I don't care about you to, I love you. Um, all the way to the point to say at the end, the gift my mother gave me is a second mother. Like she felt that that was the, the main kind of gift that the mother gave her. So Did you repeat what you said about the gift? What was the gift? So at the end of the book, um, Leah says that she learned at that moment that the gift her mother has gave her is to have a second mother. Oh, yeah. Was Ava. So uh, what? how change from hate and resentment to these, she's my second mother. Like what, what do you think were some critical either event or, or, or what happened that it allowed that change to happen in, in your perspective? I must feel like I have to flip through the book to find the place I, to remember. I know I just remembered your first attitude was get lost. I can't remember it as a, a seminal event, but no. I just felt like she was naturally maturing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kids go through that, that, that process, you know, when they're, they're 13 and 14, they uh, maybe even know, know more than their parents, you know, they, or you don't understand because they got all this knowledge at school. Uh, you know, and they're talking with their, their, you know, other kids that are their age. And then as you get older, you know, your love for your parents changes and uh, becomes deeper. And I thought it was just a natural maturation. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember any specific event. Was it when she was saw um, Ava dancing with the heron? Was that it? So I think, you know, when some humanity there, definitely. Like yeah. some expression of maybe this is more than clay. Yeah. That, that when she also invited her to the school, like she finally had gotten rid of her. And then right. it was like, oh, I really do need her kind of thing. So it was dependency, which I think there was some of that as well, um, which I think is the difference between a rational knowledge, something you know, versus the action. So she knew the golem was there to save her or to give her life for her. But when it actually happens that the golem saves her or it actually happens that quote unquote sacrifices for her kind of bond her or, or, or create this relationship that otherwise um, may have been only intellect, but not in the realms of feelings and um, did they bond over the bird being, you know, sending messages back and forth? I can't remember. Right. So that that was an appreciation to dependency or like all the things she couldn't have done without Ava. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, but then Ava hid that one message. Oh yeah. 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 Right. So that that, was, that also yeah. brought some. What was the message, um, Jana, that she hid? I can't remember. Julian about uh, where to meet, I think. Mm. Yeah, she, yeah. she saw thread on the potential kind of, like she thought it was dangerous. And her goal was to keep her was safe. It, it was jealousy or was it keeping her out of danger? I thought she wanted to stay with the, maybe I'm getting it mixed up, but I thought she wanted to stay with the heron longer or something and not wanted to leave or am I mixed up? No, no, no. She wanted. What was the question? And you know, was was it out of safety or was it a personal agenda? No, it was. I I think it was out of safety, which was her personal agenda. I mean, not she, because she wanted to spend more time with the hair. It wasn't jealousy. She kept the message to keep her safe. Is that what you're saying? She. Uh, that's the moment she started developing her own feelings, which. 
-hmm. I guess is the next question is also through the evolution of their relationship is the evolution from her to become a human, which is the end of, of the story. Is like, I don't think she felt before that last minute though, in, in my interpretation at least was, it, it says that love is what changed her. So how was she able to leave was through love because nothing else would have explained that a golem becomes like a person or a mortal. And all of a sudden she's not listening to the birds anymore. And she loses her quote unquote powers because of love. But it's not clear to me at one part of the story, she feels love for the first time from a, because even at the end, she says things as like, she's walking behind Julianne and um, Leah and she's interpreting their behavior as human behaviors. Like, and they're holding hands the way people that love each other do. As like, if she's not capable of doing that, but it, she also, it's love what saves her or makes her human. So it's, it's an interesting question to me where when that love becomes a reality rather than her just following instructions and having her, her own agenda. Which I don't know if anyone has any interpretation there. I, to me, feel more that like that conversion to human brought the love, but I don't know what um, everybody think about that. Can, um, so when, when at the end of the book, Leah refuses to kill her, even though Ava asks about it and, and, and kind of almost begs her to follow her mother's instruction. Did you feel she was disobeying her mother? Did you feel she was doing the right, like how did you interpret that kind of behavior of, of, of Leah in, in, from a kind of feeling standpoint? Like what did it produce in you? Was it like, this is the right thing to do or she's not following her mom that basically sacrifices her life from her, for her, like what was it? What do you think was the most important part of it? I think she did the right thing. She was, you know, a young adult at that point, or no, yeah, a young adult, and she had uh, her own mind, and and her mother gave her these instructions, thinking the golem she was creating was this monster kind of thing, you know, a, a lump of clay with no soul, no no. And of course, it didn't have a soul, but, you know, a heart. And, uh, you know, this Ava had a heart and she saw love and, and appreciated it. And, uh, and Leah saw that, you know, for all the years that Ava was taking care of her, you know, including, you know, most important, the last, the last uh, let's say, last year. So I think she did absolutely the right thing. It was the right conclusion to the book. If okay. she had stood there and shot her in the, well, she wouldn't have had a heart, but it wouldn't have been the same. The, the, the ending that Hoffman gave this book to me was absolutely the, the very best ending she could have done. I, by the way, walked through the other end in my head. How would have loved the book if she would have killed her? Yes. And but, I agree, I agree. It would have been a horror story. Uh, right, exactly. I love side. Yeah, no, it would have not worked at all. No. Right, right. Any other thoughts about that? And, and she says something about exactly along those lines. It's like, my mom didn't know who yes. she was. Like, and this is a gift she gave me and I learned things she, my mom didn't know. So I, I kind of agree that it was meant, it wasn't meant as a, I'm not following my mother's kind of instructions or desires, more rather as like, this is the only way it can possibly be. Um, you mentioned this, but what do you think about that time where she reads the the letter or the note in early on in the novel that she knows that was meant to be that she was supposed to kill the golem? Was it like a pivotal time you think in, in the story or not? Not really. I wonder if that kept her from. I mean, uh, 
caring for her, kind of keeping her at arm's length, knowing she was going to have to. Right. Right. Almost like, yeah, exactly. But um, it could prevent her from connections, which it didn't because they connected eventually anyways, whether it was because of dependency or it's hard to, it's hard to know. I, I, at some point I felt just as a probably kid develops the relationship with their mother is, is out of need and out of um, satisfactions of needs, you know, like this, she's keeping me alive almost just like a, a mother or a newborn will potentially. I just meant like maybe couldn't afford to love her because she knew she was going to have to kill her. Right. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Maybe I missed it, but why was she supposed to kill? Yeah. Home? So I, mean, I, I, I carried with me that after her job was done, that she would become a, a monster. But that's and like all right. of something out of control. That was explained. That was explained. Like it was one line or two lines, but that they will attack and they potentially attack their maker, which in this yes. case she was dead, yeah. or attack, it, it, it will become like, once they're done with their mission, yeah. they kind of law, lose purpose and then they become a monster. So she had a very clear mission, which was to save Leah. And the question was, what's up and after the mission is complete? And that's what the mother was trying to avoid is like becoming this monster. And I think that the concept of the golem is also that is that they are created for a reason, for one specific kind of reason. Yeah, the morale of Prague, he famously retired the golem when the golem was, um, you know, finished its job. He put it to rest. There's a crazy follow-up story, which maybe I'll tell a little bit later. Oh, from the, the morale? Yeah, about okay. the synagogue and the previous rabbi. Oh, really? <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Remind me to tell you the story. Okay. Oh, Interesting. Sorry. Interesting. But yeah, so that's the, it, it was, okay, she's saved. Now she needs, and, and at some point, even the same Ava was still in there. Now you need to kill me. Like we all, we both know that that's what your mother wants. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, um, Definitely. Um, another character, which I think um, she does a good job bringing in, and, and I don't know if it's one character specifically, um, which is Marianne, but um, is this idea of, of Gentiles um, sacrificing their lives to save and and to just um, step up for humanity and, and the Jews in this case, but humanity as a whole. Um, Well, her father had been right. Um, actually, before he was killed, he was kind of being watched, and so she already. Yeah, right. they and he was against the Germans. Right, right. Yeah, um, the power of education. <laughs> well, you know, we all know in in Israel here, uh, you know, the righteous Gentiles. There were many, 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 many. Gentiles that went to concentration camps for hiding Jews or, you know, many righteous Gentiles. They risked their lives, their families' lives, just sometimes to hide one person. Mm-hmm. But I, I really liked Marianne. I think it was a beautiful representation of it in the way um, her story, just in general, I think it was um, a, just a nice, well, till the end when... Victor dies, but it was it was a successful story, which some were successful. We usually hear the non-successful ones, but um, I almost like personify with her all these other sides of a, a Holocaust, which is people saving Jews or, or sacrificing their lives potentially for um, for just that the the potential saving one life in. It goes back to education, and this is a little bit out of the book, but different countries have very, very different reactions. Poland was a very, very anti-Semitic country before, and many less righteous people than France that was a little bit less anti-Semitic, or other countries that were even less. So it really was, in her case, was her father 
pass into her that this is the right thing to do and we hate Germans. Yeah, Denmark protected a lot of its Jews. Dem so Denmark was more integrated before the war as well. It was a less, a little bit less anti-Semitic country than what Poland has had been before. Yeah. With Germany as well. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she did a really good job with Marianne's story and, and the fact that she worked in this house, came back to her father and got into this mission of, of crossing um, children to the, to the border. Um, I enjoy that. Is yeah. You had families individuals that would harbor, you know, Jews until things got hot, you know, and when things got hot, it's like, even yeah. in the story, okay. right, 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 there were right, situations right. Of, of, of harboring. And then it's like, we can't do that anymore. Cause we just got, you know, we just got word about something going on and we've been, we've been outed or whatever it is. Yeah. And other ones like they, they gave up their lives to do what's right. right. I mean, it's, yeah, the question really is, what, what do you do when someone else is at risk? You're not at risk, right? Do you step up? The world is dealing with this right now, right? Right, right. With Ukraine right. and with the, the Uyghurs in China. It's like, what do we mm -hmm. do when someone else who's not us is in danger? How, right. how far are we willing to put our necks out there? Right. It's an uncomfortable question. Right. It's a very uncomfortable question. Very uncomfortable. It's, a, it's a real have, question. Right. It's an uncomfortable question because we may not actually be doing what we would have thought we would do right right theoretically right especially when we think about the holocaust or all our own history and, and our like uh, you know our, our, our outrage values, of like how come right. no one did anything and it's like it's easy to say not my not my issue not my right. war right. you know it's gonna make things worse. what i like just the narrative is always abound it's a it's a it's a real question yeah to me that's a sobering question right, <laughs> uh, right. But she, um, in the book, we saw a lot of that type of sacrifice. I think even from the nouns, um, and it was like, it doesn't matter or anything, you know, it'll save you. Well, Rabbi, um, you know, um, Israel has always stepped up to the plate. They, you know, uh, air evacuated just thousands of Ethiopian Jews. Yeah. They airlifted maybe 120,000 Iraqi Jews. I mean, Israel has intervene and save yeah it's important to use our our, our history um as a tool of tikkun as a, a tool of correction to see to it that that this not happen yeah 100 percent. israel israel has set a really great example of that yeah yeah leave no one behind yeah right very interesting. I um, any other topics or things that people either like, didn't like, or want to bring up for discussion now about the book. Well, closing comment. Uh, but yeah, no, I um, I really think I, she does a good job in in the book though it's about the Holocaust and we hear a lot about the death of, of a lot of people, it's these people have in, it was hard for me to see because they're individuals that are, but they have hopes and they, they, it, it's, that's what drives them is, is either a relationship or even if it's revenge in, in, in some, some cases, but they, they have this drive and, we always play this game as like, what would I do or what would I ever, you know, have that strength or have, an, and it's interesting to see um, this um, girls in many cases and some boys, but all ages, 16 and younger, um, making this really, really um, hard, uh, just journeys in their lives. So um, a lot of nature involved in the book, either the farms or the different animals and and she's just very talented at mixing and they they become characters of hers of her books in a very subtle way so that's that also in dove keeper she had the same well the doves but mm -hmm. um different animals became characters and she here did the same thing very um 
in a, I, I think in a successful way. Yeah, so um, thank you everybody for awesome. coming. I wanna hear about the Golan though before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you about the Golan. I, I feel like also I looked at um, Alice Hoffman's bio here and it says that she has written more than 30 works of fiction. Oh, wow. How do you pump out 30 works of fiction That's and insane. researching? And she flew, according to her, um, her oh. end notes, she flew to um, to Europe to check out the places. Right. And I, I saw that ground. in an interview. Yeah. Oh. Um, she, I think she went with two historians. She does a right. really good job. She went, not walking, but she did the, the crossing of French to Switzerland to see the to get inspired like that's what it gives right. her inspiration and and even she said that um if certain scenes were in the winter she wouldn't go in the winter if it was in the summer right. um she wouldn't go so she does her research she, right. and she knocks right. out books I, i'm just very impressed right. both the dove keepers and the world that we knew just quite, she could write anything right she could write a, 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 an intriguing film i mean she's amazing that's my thought okay so here's about the golden so this story was told by the previous Rebbe. As a young boy, he went with his father, who was the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe. And they were traveling. They went to Prague. And they went to the Maharal, who was the rabbi who created the Golem, according to our legend. He went to his old synagogue. Okay. Now, the Maharal lived in, I think it was the 15, yeah, 14, 15, yeah, yeah, 14, 1500s. Right. Maybe the 1500s. So it's, it's going back a few hundred years, but they still have the synagogue. And, and the previous Rebbe went to that synagogue. And at a certain point with his father, and at a certain point in the day, his father couldn't find him. And he was a kid? He was oh, a kid. Okay. I'm not sure how old he was. But a kid. He okay. was a kid. You know, maybe six, seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Something. <laughs> So, you know, kids, you know, you're in shul and the kids are whatever, you know, they're who knows, huh? Oh, you don't need <laughs> Dads always know exactly where the kids are at all times. Anyway, so the, especially in shul, we never let them out of our sight. Uh-uh, no way. Never. Mm, that's what we tell the moms. Now, back to our story. So he, at some point, <laughs> at some point, I remember the first, remember Miriam was here. And uh, she's like, or the kids. the kids. And Zan was like, they're somewhere. She's like, oh. okay, so this is what happens in Shabbos. Okay, got it. Anyway, back to our story. So um, eventually he finds the child or the child. He surfaces and he says, where were you? And he said, I went up to the attic. First. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll tell you about the attic in a second. And the story goes that as the father told the son later on in his life, he said, I had to do a lot of stuff to protect you. Basically, according to the tradition, they buried the golem in the attic of the synagogue with the Seamus, with the, with the books, with the papers that were like scripts, stuff that was just, now they didn't bury the golem. They put, according to this tradition, they put him in the attic and, Again, according to the story, it seems like the previous Rebbe had had some sort of encounter, at least with the space, if not necessarily golem face to face or whatever were the remains of the golem, but in that space. And his father had to like intervene on high to to protect his son. Um, But essentially, what comes out of this is a very, well, no, it's not that, number one, but number two, the bigger question, which is, did it ever happen? Was there ever a golem? Did the morale ever create a golem or is it just legend? Is it just like, a, like you know, anti-Semitism, pogroms, and now we have a hero story. It's like a Superman story, that we, that, a, myth, a mythical story. According to this, to this story, it seems like something was there that would, would have caused some potential spiritual damage or physical damage, and it was saved. And, and, and so it seems like there's something, you know, there's some truth to it. So... Anyway, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. I know in Prague, because people have told me that have been there, they have a statue of the of the Maharal, the rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Loi, and they also have a statue of the Golem. However, you know, it's, it could be that it's the legend and they're playing to the Jewish quarter and, and the tourists. But, it's true, but, but, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing. 
As far as other golems in history, my recollection, and I did not research it before tonight, um, recently, but my recollection is that there are other, a few other um, legends or traditions of golems, but the most famous one is the one of Prague. It was compiled in stories. There's lots of stories about Yassel the, go- the golem, Yassel the golem, as he was known according to, to, to tradition. One famous story has it where the rabbi, the morale, told him it was before Pesach. And so, you know, his, his the, the rabbi's wife, the morale's wife, was getting the house ready and she was washing the floors or whatever it was and she was cooking. And so he says to the golem, because, you know, they, he wasn't protecting the Jews right at that moment, he said, go down and, okay. and, and, and fetch water from the river or the lake, whatever it was, and bring it back to the house and fill up the bucket. bucket so take, take a bucket and then fill up the bucket in the house. So he did that. But he's a golem, like a robot. So he kept on filling up the bucket until it overflowed, but he kept on going back for more and more and more and more and more until somebody was home and somebody saw what was going on. I was like, okay, you can stop. <laughs> I, I believe the morale said, according to the tradition, the morale told the golem, you, you have to listen to me and my wife. Uh-huh. I think that was, that was the, uh, the, deal. the deal, which was good when he was doing like the household work. But no, there- Rabbi, it's very interesting that uh, Jewish um, um, Jewish men have created all the superheroes like Superman, Superwoman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. From, from, oh, look at that. From the creators of the golem. <laughs> come <laughs> Superman, Spider-Man, right. the Hulk, whatever. You know, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, and Kabbalah, right. So, look, um, the origin story of Maral specifically in protecting the Jewish people is also worthy of retelling. Maybe we'll end with this. I mean, we'll end, but it would like kind of wrap with this. When the Maral was saved, what, sorry, when the Maral was born, he saved the Jewish community. Basically, he was born on the night of Passover. So picture the scene. The entire Jewish community in Prague, everyone's sitting at a Seder. And no one's in the street. Everyone's at home doing a Seder. Well, in the, in the stealth darkness of night there was a fellow a non-jewish fellow from the community who wished to cause a blood libel with the blood libel famously was when the christians claimed that the jews were slaughtering christian well it changed over the years but at some point it was christian children in order to use the blood for baking the matzah now i mean we have matzah here it's i'm just gonna say there's no blood in there Mm-hmm. Just, just gonna say that I've been to a matzo bakery. <laughs> I've made matzo. I've been in a real matzo bakery, a professional matzo bakery in Brooklyn. Trust me, it's flour and water. If you try to bring another thing into the matzo bakery, you will get absolutely bounced as fast as possible. And I'm not trying to defend it because the whole thing is ludicrous. Blood is not even kosher. The whole thing is ridiculous. But nonetheless, so here it's the night of Passover. First night of Passover, everyone's at a seder, and there's this guy who is holding a big sack over his shoulder, a dead child. And this child died from whatever it was, an accident, but it was an opportunity to plant to plant it in a, a rabbi's house or whatever it was, and then accuse the, and then say the child's missing, accuse the Jews, they find it in the rabbi's house, boom, Kill. blood libel, kill the Jews, pogrom, etc. God forbid. What happens was, listen to this, First night of Passover, the Maral's mother, he wasn't born yet, right? This is his origin story. So the, his father was a rabbi of the town. So the wife, the Rebetzin, she's, in, she, she go, she's nine months pregnant. She goes into labor. And, you know, back in the day, doctors made house calls. So immediately, the father, the husband, right, says to one of the guests, go quickly run and fetch the doctor to bring him to deliver the baby. Baby's about to be born. So this guy, a guest, someone from the house, runs out into the street. Well, meanwhile, this guy is carrying sack. Sees a guy, sees a Jewish guy running toward him. He starts running. He starts running away because he thinks that this guy is busting him with the, with the body, right? With the with the kid. So again, picture the scene. You have this fellow, this, this fellow who's trying to the, do a criminal act of you know deception and planting a dead body, etc., running with a sack being chased by this Jewish guy who's actually not chasing him at all. He's running to the doctor. Meanwhile, there's a policeman. This is a legit story. There's a police officer who sees 
Jew. Jewish man chasing non-Jewish fellow with a bag over his back. And what does he think? This guy just stole something right. from the house. So now the policeman is running after this whole situation. This thing is growing. It's avalanching as it goes. Okay, so now the policeman is chasing the guy with the sack. Meanwhile, the Jewish man peels off into another alley to fetch the doctor. Right, right. He doesn't even know what's going on, right? If you're running and you see another guy running, you're like, all right, I guess he's jogging. I don't care. I got to get a, get a doctor for the rabbi's wife because she's in labor. Anyway, the, the officer catches up with him. He find, he, 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 he arrests him. Well, he, 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 he says, show me what's in the bag. It's a body. What are you doing? And of course, he confessed that he was put up to it by the priest, by whoever it was. I don't know, whoever it was that put him up to this sure, idea of planting the dead body, blah, 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 blah. So it turns out. Oh, uh, so the morale being born that night, wow. and he, then he was born, right? The morale was born. That's the morale's birth. And this is what his father, his parents told him. Your birth saved the Jewish community that night. So from that moment, he dedicated himself to saving the community, to protect, protecting the community against pogroms and blood libels that, was, that were very prevalent at those times. Hence, again, his endeavors to create a golem later on in life that would protect the Jewish people against a very real threat. By the way, the rumors of blood, blood libels and all that stuff, rumors, whatever, the false blood libel uh, accusations still live on to this day. It's still put out there on occasion. Yeah. Anyway, in different yeah, forms. The protocols of the elders. Little, little yeah. do they know not to look to the matzah. There's some uh, more obvious places. <laughs> oh, just okay. joking. This yeah. is... Oh, it's the oh, I it's was joking, seriously. It's Come the protocols of the elders of Zion. I know, that's right? right. Halavai, we should be so powerful, just saying. <laughs> but that's where that, that story, the is. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so that's a little bit about golems yeah. and Maral. Fascinating character. By the way, you should know Maral was not just the creator of a golem. He was a bona fide mystic Kabbalist. He wrote commentary on the Talmud, on Torah, that is absolutely mind-blowing just amazing and we've done it we've we've inter we've woven his ideas into many of our classes in the past amazing just incredible scholar a rub a rabbi a protector anyway beautiful stuff so we gave him some cover to him as well so yeah also, we have another book i, I read this story, so. at least the first half i read it on passover okay oh, nice. so i feel so, like right. golem pesach kind of kind of all came together do we so, have another book we're going to be reading? Or yes, um, let's. I let me send you. I have like three options. The other one was also Golem. So it's was not though, but oh, it's it, not. yes, it, it just with the name. I think it's oh, the Golem and the Genie. Yeah, it's it's like it's pure fantasy, and I I was rereading a little bit. I have it in my house, and I don't think I liked it that much. I went through my Jewish section, but let me. I I came up with two other options. Let me okay. send it to you. Can we update you, everybody, let's say by Wednesday night and we let everybody know? To me, that's fine. I just want to right, pull let's up. Let's come up with a date. What was the date? Well, yeah, the date's important. Yeah. The yeah, date's, yeah, the date is very important. Give me a second here. Let me quickly look at what we have in the old hopper. Let's check out. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, June 19th. That is that good? Yeah. Okay, so June. Uh, what is it? Oh, it's a father's. Twelfth is Father's Day. Oh, yeah. It is Father's Day. I just opened it and he says Father Day's in my calendar. Yeah. Oh, 19th is Father's Day? No, no, no. Yes. No, 19th is, is Father's oh, Day. Oh, yeah, 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 it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wait, is that good or not good? Why is it in my calendar? It's, it's not so good. Not so good? Yeah. Okay, so then let's adjust it. Do we want to go earlier or later? Let's see. Oh, wow. It's thundering yeah, so some, some storm. The week earlier, the 12th, is... 13 of that work. Open sanctuary. Yeah, the 12th will work. 12th will work. Looks like there might be a simcha here. Okay, okay the tw um, you know what? Let me it's okay. a Sunday Let night. It's a Sunday night. Yeah. Elisa's birthday is you love you So one second. Let's just I'm gonna look because there might be something going on over okay. here. So there's the it looks 12 like there's or the 26. 12 or 26. It looks okay. like in the calendar it says Ratner Sheva Brachot in the sanctuary, which is right here. here. But there might be a lot of people around in the building nearby. Okay. It might be a little bit inconvenient to do it just on the logistical level Sounds over here. Right. But I'm not saying no. I'm saying I need to I need to find out because I see it on my, my Chabad calendar. I just Double. need to find out what's going on with that because it's just right now calendar entry on the 12th. 
making sure there's not a conflict. But let's just do a quick a quick poll. Does the twelfth work for everybody? Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. Does the twenty sixth work for everybody? If the twelfth doesn't, no, probably it doesn't. not. No, not for me. Not. So then let's aim to do the twelfth unless we can't. Sounds good. And um. Okay, and then we'll send out the book because we we will get on that. Right. We have one, we two, have, three, like four. A, a we'll have four Perfect. weeks. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll make sure it's not a six hundred page book. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Great to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Have a wonderful. Bye. See you soon.